0: Amen. Well, I invite you to join me if you have your Bible or a Bible app with you in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 specifically. We are finishing a three-month journey through the book of Philippians today. And I think across the last three months, we've learned what a ministry this letter of love had in the lives of those who are Christians in that town of Philippi. But I think we've also learned that it is so very relevant even in our world today. And the conclusion to this book is no different. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 23, I'll begin reading in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance is. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord God, we give you thanks for our chance to be together in worship this morning. We thank you for resurrection power and all that it makes possible in our lives in this world. We thank you, too, for the gift of Scripture. We pray that in these next few minutes as we consider the conclusion to this book of Philippians that you'd give each of us eyes to see just what you want us to see. Give us hearts that are soft and ready to receive whatever you choose to reveal. And give us conviction that's strong so we can apply what we see and understand to the way we live every day. I pray all of us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul's primary reason for writing this little letter to the church at Philippi was to thank them for the gifts that they had sent to him. He finally gets around to it in chapter 4, right at the end of the book. And Paul essentially says, by the way, thanks for the gift you sent, but I would have been just fine without it. It's an interesting way to express thanks, isn't it? He's gracious, and yet he's direct. And I think it's because what he really wants to do is talk about this topic of contentment. Contentment is the word eutarches in Greek, and it means self-sufficient, to be satisfied, to have enough. Contentment was made a virtue by the Stoics in Paul's day, but their philosophy was one of indifference. They wanted to be able to say, I don't care in any and every circumstance. So it's kind of a negative approach to this concept of contentment, yet Paul takes the term much deeper. In these few short verses, he offers four powerful truths about contentment. The first is this. Contentment is learned. Contentment does not come naturally, if only it did. Now, some of us are naturally better at contentment, but every one of us has something to learn about becoming more content than we currently are. We can't just say, I'm not wired that way. Contentment is actually required of all of us for whole and healthy living. So we set about learning it, but this verb, like many of the verbs that Paul uses, means by experience. We're going to learn contentment through experience, which means the ups and downs of our lives. And Paul gives us an example of the same from his life in verse 12. The, The joys he has experienced and the hardships he's experienced. But no matter what we have, or what we've gone without, we can choose to be a student. We can choose to learn contentment. Secondly, Paul highlights for us that contentment is not about possessions and circumstances. When I mention contentment, you might start thinking, well, I've got to be more satisfied. I really should be more appreciative of the things I've been given in this life. And that may well be, but that's not all there is to it. Maybe you subscribe to musician Sheryl Crow's philosophy. It's not having what you want, it's wanting what you've got. That's a good start. But contentment actually runs a lot deeper. Let's take a moment to consider the circumstances that Paul mentions. On the negative side, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be in wants. And on the positive side, he says, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be well-fed. And I know what it is to live with everything I desire. Paul is highlighting all the conditions of the lives that we live. And contentment can be a struggle in all of those places. Sometimes contentment is the hardest to experience when we have all of our needs met. And we forget about where those gifts have come from. Obviously, in the negative times, contentment can be difficult as well, and maybe it's the transition between positive times and negative times that becomes the greatest challenge of all. I don't think Paul's coaching us in how to grunt our way through the tough seasons. I think Paul is thinking much bigger than this. He wants us to live in this space. I mean, this is the same guy who talked about receiving a peace that passes understanding. And we celebrated that when we considered those verses just a few weeks ago. But that peace that passes understanding is not meant to be a fleeting experience. It's meant to be the place we live, the way we live, no matter what is happening in the world or in our lives. And that's the key to all of this. It's not circumstantial. It has to do with our God. Paul teaches us here that contentment is rooted in, in Christ. In verse 12, Paul says, "I have learned the secret to being content." And that secret he shares is Jesus. And we're not being advised here to be self-sufficient, but to be Christ-sufficient. This isn't about willpower, it's not about positive thinking, it's about Jesus. All that Jesus is, all that Jesus has done. And if you think this secret is great, check out the promise in verse 19. Really, it's a promise to end all promises. Paul says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, you might be sitting here right about now thinking, why isn't this guy preaching about Easter? Why is he talking about this little book and contentment and all the rest? And and there is a connection, trust me. Because the Easter celebration of resurrection is intimately tied to what Paul's talking about here. We tend to hold glorious moments like an Easter celebration captive to a date. Captive to a time when we gather together to celebrate. And then we move on from it until next year. When the floral cross comes out again. When the lilies are up here again. When we have a chance to hunt for Easter eggs again. We hold it captive. But the reality is resurrection changed everything it changed every day it changed every circumstance it empowers everything that god intends for us and so contentment is empowered by resurrection christ is all you need contentment is fueled and enabled by the very same power that raised jesus from the grave So when we gather on a day like today and declare together that he is risen indeed, we are not just celebrating history. We are celebrating the way that history empowers every moment of our lives today. So let's feel this. Let's soak this power in. Let's live this truth. Every single day of our lives. Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. And that changes everything. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you. And Jesus, so thankful for the power of resurrection. That doesn't just mark a date 2,000 years ago. But it marks the change of everything every aspect of this world, and every aspect of our lives. And so as we sit in this space together today, no matter what it is that we are up against, you are bigger, you are more powerful, and you are ready to transform us through what we're facing. No matter what our future holds, we walk with you, we walk beside you, and your power lives within each of us. That resurrection power not only raised you from the grave, Jesus, but it raises up us, each of us up in each new day that we might face all that you have in store. We give you thanks, we give you praise. We are so thankful for what you have accomplished in us. I pray it all now in Jesus' name, amen.